Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Galatians. So right now we're going to open our first message uh, in the book of Galatians. We're calling this series Freed from the Law and Captivated by Grace. It is a verse-by-verse study of the book of Galatians. So I would love to see my slide over there, Rachel. It is a deep, expounding study on the book of Galatians. Today, as I open this uh, uh, expository um, series of messages, um, I'm only going to give you guys an introduction on this awesome, absolutely great letter of the apostle paul everybody close your eyes bow your heads holy spirit fill this room just we yield to you our hearts are this fruitful prepare soil for the powerful inerrant life transforming seed of the word of god come holy spirit fill this room god change our minds the way we approach our relationship with you and we know as a consequence of that god our relationships will also benefit so move holy spirit we pray in jesus mighty name everybody said amen Amen. And amen. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 10. Please open your Bible. Don't just count with our projection. Paul opens his letter saying, Paul, an apostle, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. And God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me i love the fact that paul he never walked alone always in all his letter paul greets he he welcomes uh, the people with a group of people are you walking alone are you trying to write your story with god by yourself verse 3 grace to you and peace from god everybody says grace to you and peace from god Say it again. Grace to you you. and peace from God. Hallelujah. That's the sequence. Because you got grace, you enter into the peace. You might be anxious. You might be worried. Some of you guys are actually like Pastor Tullio says, suffering with heartburn in your stomach. You know, your blood pressure is not in a normal state right now. There are so much instability. January the 20th is coming up this week. There's a lot of people afraid of what's going on in this week. But those that are in grace have the peace from God. Our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Now, if it was an evil age at the time of this letter, what kind of evil we are right now, 2,000 years later? Oh, more than ever, we need this same very grace. It is through grace that we're going to be delivered from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who call you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different 
gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Now, our ESV version, English Standard Version, brings a curse, but most of the translations kept the Greek word. Like Paul and even the translators for um, centuries kept this powerful Greek word, anathema, be anathema, separated once and for all from God. Like what, what Paul is saying here is a person that tries to distort the gospel, it is destined to hell. Like there's no salvation, no redemption, there's no provision for him or for her. Wow, this is very serious. I thought we we're going to talk about grace and Paul is sending people to hell. It's pretty much how the letter opens up. I, I thought we we're going to talk about the favor, the love of God. Yeah, but let me open up. If you distort this message, go to hell. That, that's pretty much how Paul does. And we have said it before, verse 9. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be damned, accursed, anathema. Verse 10, for I am now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, th this is the introduction. All right, guys, let's start to talk about grace. Don't even try to distort it or go to hell. And, and it's so strong because when we share on our Christmas series message, that powerful, I don't know how many of you guys were with us, the series on the spirit of Christ. I was so moved by this ongoing maturity of this great apostle. This man of God that became the most humble character we can see besides Jesus in the New Testament. He grew so much in the spirit of Christ that he was not even comparing himself with the apostles. Even, even less with the brothers and sisters in the church. He gets to the point in his final words in the book of Tim, in 1 Timothy to say, in 2 Timothy, in the last words, he says, I'm the worst of all the sinners. And that's why through me, the grace of God manifested the most. True humility. He got to the greatest of expression of the Spirit of Christ. However, there is a message that is worth fighting for. And this is how Paul now, in, in the sense of, you can really put me to death. You can persecute me, slander me. You can uh, post horrible hatred messages in social media against me. This will not even affect me because probably a lot of these accusations might even be true. Because I know where I came from and without the grace of God, I will never even be standing here. However, let's see how he reacts toward the message. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Alexander the coppersmith, verse 14, did me great harm. 
The Lord will repay this guy according to his deeds. Whoa, why are you so mad, Paul? Be aware of him, Timothy. Be aware of him, for he is strongly opposed the message. Paul is saying, I really, I don't care much about me, but woe to the one that tries to oppose the message. Everybody says, the message. The message. Like, this is the most precious thing we have. Now, we are in a very divisive moment in this nation. It's not only in this nation, guys. Everywhere in the world. Believe me, I, I was traveling and I'm feeling the tension. I felt the tension everywhere. And with every brother and sister around the world that I have the chance to talk, it's always the same. People in the, the, the societies, in the countries, they are divided within themselves. And, and about us, pastors, and we as a Christian, what should we say and stand and defend? Should we have a right or left position? Should we be just like uh, independents? What should we be? We should be defenders of the gospel, of this message. At my first defense, let me prove that to you. Paul continues to say, no one came to stand by me. Like I had traitors. People were unloyal to me. Like people really deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Like I, this really uh, doesn't matter. Like this didn't affect me. But the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will, re will rescue me from every evil deed Bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So toward him, Paul said, I don't care. I don't care what people did toward me. But do not oppose the message. Now, we don't have enemies in flesh. But we are defenders. We are fighters for this message. Apostle Paul wrote this letter about in the, uh, in the year 48 A.D., 48 A.D., but in a, a less than two years, um, that, that this letter was wrote less than two years before he actually had planted um, all the churches in the province of Galatia. Galatia was almost like a county area, like a, a bunch of cities. It was a region, almost like a small state part of the Roman Empire. And in this region with all these churches, in less than two years, we have these brothers distorting, deviating, taking another path. And I wonder about this because this is a big problem. Every movement have this risk, the risk of forgetting things we forget things you probably forget things like I, I heard today that a person forgot almost coming with his own pants to the church today yeah you're laughing but it's this I, I i forget things all the time that's why every single black friday i spend an extra dollar just to buy another keychain with gps tracker like I have GPS trackers, everything in my in my purse. Like don't don't dare to touch my things. I'm gonna find it. Not because I'm good to remember where I left it, because I have a tracker. And unfortunately, I pass on this terrible problem to my sons. And one of my sons uh, have this problem a little extra uh, in his DNA. 
and the music teacher uh, uh, leaves them a message. Tomorrow we have practice. All right, so next morning I wake up, take breakfast, get into the car. The first thing I ask is, did you guys forget anything? The silence um, I interpret as, no, everything is okay. As I turn into the parking lot of the school, I heard a sigh and saying, Dad, I think I forgot something. <laughs> Immediately, I know exactly what he had forgot. I know what he had forgot. Uh, probably you're wondering, probably he forgot his, his small uh, music flute. Or maybe that pocket harmonica that everybody gonna probably going to forget. But when you forget his three feet size trombone, <laughs> I wonder, like, how this is even possible? Like, how somebody, you're going to forget a trombone? You know, how like, I couldn't remember that. I just forgot a trombone. And that's when I, I realized that the, ten, that the silence I received as an answer was just that extra 10 minutes of sleep that everybody enjoys when you wake up earlier than you actually were planned. Right? It's the best sleep everybody enjoys. And they were just sleeping in the car. But I wonder, like, how they even took breakfast 20 minutes ago. Like, how? Uh, it, it's just, it's always the same. We forget things. And it was not different for the people of Galatians, of Galatia. They had forgot the essence, the, the core, the heart of the message. There is, it seems that there is always a pull toward this merit-based mindset. The law is standards. The, the idea that I can exchange with God and bargain with God for my blessings. But the only way of salvation is by grace through faith. There is no such thing as Jesus plus. We can have Disney plus, Apple plus, but not Jesus plus. Jesus plus is heresy. It, it offends God's plan. To require anything extra denies the heart of the gospel. So salvation, justification, sanctification, all very theological words are all by grace through faith alone. It is not by the keeping of the works of the law. Now this doesn't mean that we don't have any moral restrictions or Protection is standards to follow. To no, it doesn't mean that we don't have uh, no protective rules against sin and weakness. We have it, but not on the base of the law. We are following the law of the Spirit. We follow the, the constraints in the heart. We have the hindrance in, uh, of the, our renewed conscience. It's not about the law of commandments. But even this response to the law of the Spirit, it is operated, it is empowered and motivated by the revelation of the grace of God. So it is very, very essential. The brothers' morals, behaviors, it is a concern for a lot of people. And sometimes seems legit and noble just to be concerned about that, but... Paul points out that anything other than Christ has no use. So our only worry should not be the behavior. But if it is Christ is being the center, 
in everything we do. In the case of Galatia, we have false teachers coming in and convincing the church that they had to be circumcised. They had to have this external mark to prove they were belonging to God, which is a very uh, standard Think in every religion, in every um, legalistic movement. You have to prove something external to prove that you are accepted by God. Again, but pastor, isn't that right to expect a sign of performance? Is it not, it's not good that Christians keep an exemplary behavior? It is important. We will do it. We're going to behave but never as a requirement or a condition to be saved and accepted by God. Our conduct and acts are the results of love because we were forgiven first, because we're loved first, because we have the right belief. Everybody says right belief. That's my point of pressure today. And because of that, now we, we see God with a different perspective. We, we shift our mind. We don't see God demanding. We see God empowering, loving us. That's why we respond to this love. We, we change our mind. We change our opinion about God. We had a metanoia approach toward God. We thought that God was a judge expecting perfection. But now we found that He's a Savior empowering us for His perfection. And now I had this change of approach. So, Pastor, but this is a really big of a deal. Like, this this is something that we should really worry about. There are more uh, uh, har- harmful and, and big problems out there. Like, why are we going to press on a problem that I don't think we really need? I thought, I thought that this is the basic of Christianity. Yeah, you might think that, but God thinks different. De- drift from the right belief always creates the gravest harms a church could have. As we're going to go through the book of Galatians, we're going to see a church that start to have divisions. The very thing they were trying to avoid with their religiosity, now we're part of their daily lives. Debauchery, immorality, strife, jealousy, all kinds of nasty and problems, social problems. The way Paul stood against those and other things should be the way we should stand. Not with condemnation, but inviting the church to come back to the essence of the message. So they could receive the joy of redemption again. A few months ago, a few weeks ago actually during the Christmas time, a father told me that he gave his son a rock as a Christmas gift. Now imagine you waking up. And open up your, wrapping out your gift and finding inside the box a rock. But that was not a normal rock. The kid didn't know that, but it was a geode stone. If you know what I'm talking about. Geodes are hollow rock lined with an inside layer of sparkling crystals. On the outside, geodes appear pretty ordinary and are easily overlooked. But when you crack it open, a geode will display this array of beautiful, colorful crystals. 
And my prayer is that as we open up the gospel again, that ordinary common subject that you thought was just another rock, you're just, you know, another Christian subject, you'll find out that is the most beautiful thing we could ever receive. I dare even to pray that we're going to be once again amazed with the beautiful, with the life-transforming, eternity-shifting, and even inexplainable message of the gospel again. Because, to be honest, all my words and all my effort here probably will only allow us to scratch the surface. So, trust the truth, not your feelings. Only the grace can activate the leaders of this house. We understand that we are moving to a new era of, in this church, a new time in this church. We're going to need evangelists and leaders that stand in their college campus, their workplace, their family. We understand that you have to be bold enough to pray, to pray for the sick, to lay your hands and cast out demons. We want you to be a minister, a priest, an overcomer. But to, in order to activate you, the only way is you see yourself as a righteous Made not on your own endeavor and works of the law, but because you believe from your heart that all depends on the finished work of the cross made by Jesus Christ. Not on our merits. Now the problem of the Galatians, we're going to call the Galatians disease. This disease has contaminated the church of Galatia. And sadly... For many generations, even among Protestants, Christian, evangelical churches, we see this disease coming and being very, very contagious. Christians that have been saved by grace now try to live based on the law of merit. It always starts when there is this mix of the two covenants. It comes when some principles of the grace of the New Testament it's forced to combine with the Old Testament law. And the result is always the same. We're going to see Christians feeling that they have to have good works to qualify in order to be used by God. They start to believe that God can use them only if they perform correctly. Some people could not come today. Even though they were recruited to be one of our volunteers because last night they had a hard time with their spouse. Or maybe they said the wrong thing for their children. And now they felt disqualified. This is a problem. We see brothers being useless and timid. Now in the other way, we're going to have people that because they think they obey the law. Because they think they fulfill the requirements. They are very haughty, very pretentious people. And usually these people are very intractable and unpleasant people. Like they, they are heavy. They become ju judgmental and bring heaviness everywhere they arrive. God hates the mixture. As we study every single chapter of the book of Galatians, we're going to break this disease is spread and you're gonna bring the healing 
If we can create this chain reaction of communicating and sharing the message of grace. We're going to immunize a lot of brothers. We're going to bring immune spiritual, immune power to our church and the body of Christ. Remember, this whole thing is, was intended by Apostle Paul to make them endure their present evil age. And I have to say that in order for us to endure persecutions, misunderstandings, slander, and so many things that I have to say is coming up, we have to go back to the gospel. Now, let me start with the important principle we're going to press on during the, all our study here. Our behavior is a fruit of our belief. The wrong belief always produces the wrong behavior. So this is a terrible sentiment that many already experience. Is that God is angry with them in one moment. Because since they have not been able to keep the commandments. They feel that God is ready to punish, to curse. But in another moment, this God, lower G God. It's almost like a bipolar God. He's super happy because now we have done good deeds. And this is how Paul approached this, prob this problem. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, one church... Before Galatians, it is the church of Corinth. Paul writes to the Corinthians. And we have a very strange church receiving a very long letter from Apostle Paul. Actually, two letters, two epistles. It was a great mess. In the church of Corinth, we have brothers divided into many parties. You know what? I just follow in YouTube Paul's YouTube channel. That's the only guy I watch. Man, you never heard Apollos preaching, man. You have to subscribe to his channel. He's the best preacher ever. Apollos is the best. And obvious, there's always the super spiritual in the house that says, I just follow Jesus. I just follow up just the worship bands, worship teams there. I just worship Jesus. I don't even follow any preacher. It was a very divided church. And... There are also family feuds, resentment. It was a church that some brothers considered members of the church were going to pagan temples and practicing prostitution. Believers were suing one another. There were a completely mess regarding their spiritual gifts. As, it cry, as crazy as it sounds, some brothers were waiting for the Lord's communion day just to eat and get drunk. Literally. Like they were coming inside of the, the group and drinking to the point of falling to the ground. Not in the power of the Holy Spirit, but with wine. But we won't find any statement as harsh as we just read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. 
Paul doesn't uh, rebuke, admonish the church of Corinth as strong as he says to the Galatians. Calling them foolish is almost as, oh, stupid Galatians, who had bewitched you. Why so hard? And the answer is simple. Our conduct is the fruit of our belief. If we have the wrong belief, we turn out to have the wrong behavior sooner or later. So to believe correctly always produces a correct life. So in God's eyes, it is worse to believe in a wrong doctrine than to behave wrongly temporarily. And please, again, we are not endorsing sin here. We're not approving a sinful, wicked life. But the wrong faith is worse than the wrong immediately behavior. So the problem is not to have a bad smell. The problem is to not have the water. I don't know how long it's going to take to really create the habit on my boys to take a shower daily. Like it's, how long are we going to take this? Like they, they, gets to the, they have to get a point that they have to say, I just need to take a shower. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> but you have a very stubborn child that hates to take a bath. It gets even stinking now. It's a problem. It's a big problem. So this problem, Pastor, has to be resolved. How are we going to resolve it? I'm going to establish the law. I'm going to just punish. I'm going to condemn. It is a big problem. It is. But the greater problem will be in case you did not have water in your house and even a shower to give him or her a bath. The problem is when there is no water and the showers have been removed. And now your children start to believe that they no longer even need to take a bath. So there's no hope for those that have a wrong belief. The wrong belief will create a terrible behavior that can even bring death. The absence of a bath is just a wrong behavior. But the absence of water is the wrong doctrine. Definitely not having water is much worse. So we have to understand this. There is no neutral doctrines. There is no neutral theologies and teachings out there. A few days ago with Pastor Tulio, we were talking with a pastor. And he was telling me that he was listening to such and such grace preacher. Some of them... I listen, even prepare my message, inspire for some of their illustrations. But suddenly he brought up a totally crazy person in the middle of his YouTube playlist. And I said, that's why I was talking with Pastor Tulio. This pastor suffers so much, like in his ministry. Because, believe me, there is no mix between life and death. And one drop of Sewer water in a purified bottle of water will turn this water undrinkable. It doesn't matter how clean and transparent this water can be. So let's just go back to the poor 
message of the gospel. The simple message of the gospel. I dare even to affirm that some areas in your Christian life had not yet advanced because you start to listen to the wrong teaching and that establish a wrong belief that is in disagreement with the truth of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.4 I give thanks to my God always for you. What? This is the terrible church. This is the immoral church. This is the divided church. Yeah, but I give God praise because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. And they accepted grace. When the wrong teaching is spread among the Galatians, he was very, very mad and upset. We just read, I'm astonished, Galatians 1, 6, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. You are also called in the grace. And now you are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you. And want to distort the gospel of Christ. So this deadly mix that I just mentioned. It doesn't matter the quantity. If you listen to nine messages of grace. And your tenth message has legalistic, merit-based, bargain, exchange, deals with God in the process. If you somehow start to accept and eat from the law-based message. Believe me, all the nine messages, even though you listen to ten entire Christian, so-called Christian messages. One law-based, merit-based message will spoil all the other ten life-giving Relief sins, messages of grace. How can we know if you are mixing grace with the law? Number one, if the work of the cross makes no difference in your daily life. You don't praise God. You don't wake up every morning thankful for His redemption. There is no joy of salvation in your heart anymore. Number two, you believe that you have been saved by grace. But you, you now start to believe that your sanctification is by your own efforts. Number three is when you think that God is mad at you. And God has an agenda, has a, has a, a ledger keeping all your dues with Him. Hmm. It is true that God is angry at sin, but you are washed by the blood of the Lamb. God sees you only in Christ Jesus. And because of that, there is no condemnation. But number four, when you think that we please God by our effort and personal merits. And the truth is that under God's love, we were accepted only because of Christ. Number five is when you think that victory over sin, over the devil, over the circumstances is an accomplishment. Achieved by your efforts. But we're going to learn that victory is received by grace. We're going to really believe that if we have anything, it was given for free. And we receive it by grace through faith. Number six is when you constantly live with the feeling of condemnation and guilt. And because of that, there is this 
constantly demanding your conscience. Number seven is when you assume the Christian life, leadership, evangelism, the challenges, the, the goals, the, 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 the dreams in the church is something difficult. Oh, pastor, this is so hard. I was challenging a brother this year, this semester, to start leading a group. And he says, Pastor, how am I going to even lead a group? I don't have people. I say, start your group. We're going to have people. It's not the other way around. But he was just like, it is impossible. I can't. The truth is that the law always brings this sense of pain and heaviness. But grace brings joy, peace. Number eight is when you think that you do not deserve to receive the blessings. You think that you need to be deserving of God's blessings somehow. And number nine is when you think that you have consumed, you have just get to the end of God's patience. In your concept, in my concept, only good people deserve to receive grace, which is a totally contradiction. Because the very concept of grace is for those that did not fulfill the requirements. Grace is for those that do not deserve it. Let me close two things, two practical examples as I close this message. A woman suffering for years, years, to be more precise, 12 years suffering of this problem. A discharge of blood. And the law said in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25, that whoever has a constant blood discharge should be considered impure, set apart. She was limited, restricted of a normal woman's life. She could not have children, social life, approach anyone. She was impure. She was cursed. The law says, keep the blood inside. Keep your life. Hold on your life. Don't, don't let your life be drained out of your body. The law demands, keep your own life. But grace says, if I only touch him by faith, what do I will receive? And when Jesus turned to her, in a crowd, touching him from all the, all the parts. He finally found who touched him. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, Luke chapter 848. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Grace gives you life. The law says, hold life inside don't bleed to death just just keep life but grace says i forgive you daughter your faith had made you well I invite you to stand up one of the prophetic words god gave us for that year is that this year will be a year of signs and wonders and one of the passages that is inspire us is when Jesus walks over the water you probably remember this story the disciples were afraid 
And one audacious disciple said, If it is you, Jesus, call me. Call me and I go. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Pay attention here. You respond to the invitation. Because Jesus said to Peter, verse 29, come. You also came. You also start your walk over the water. Come on, somebody. That's why you're here. That's why you survived 2020. That's why your family is holding together. That's why your marriage is still standing. That's why you have all this, this favor, these financial blessings. That's why you see your kids with you in spite of everything they suffered in the past, divorce and brokenness. That's why you're still standing. You came. You responded. You said yes to Jesus. I'll go. But like Peter, maybe some of us, we decided to try our own way to walk over the water. But let me remind you something. Physically speaking, you still heavier than water. You will drown. You will sink. The same way you start in the beginning. Without the word in the beginning, you just drown and sink in the water. The only thing that made you to walk was his invitation, come. And he responded by faith. We know this story. Peter started to notice the wind, the waves, started to be afraid. He took his eyes out of Jesus. Christian life is meant to Always keep eyes on Jesus. If your eyes are in Him, if we keep trusting grace alone, we will overcome it. And we will experience signs and wonders. Let me pray for you right now. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, this is so good. This is such a good spiritual nourishment for us today. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that during this week we can, we can hold not our own lives, our endeavors, attempts. No, no, God, we just want to hold the message. Always remember, always come back.